Let's begin with a word of prayer. Oh God, our Father, we thank you that you gave us your word so that it would guide us into all truth. And we pray that today as we talk about how to be good parents, good husbands, good wives, um, that you would help us to understand that this is not only applicable to parents, it's applicable to every one of us. Guide us with our thoughts and our words in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, uh, after class, Charlie asked a question. I think it deserves an answer. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I wanted to read that. It says, um, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So Charlie asked, does that mean that we shouldn't tease our children and have fun with them? (laughs) I don't think so. I I don't think that that's what Paul had in mind there. I think that obviously you don't want to tease your children in a way that's going to be harmful to them uh, or cause them to to get hurt feelings or um, provoke them in that way. But I think that what Paul's talking about here is a little different. Um, I think if we discipline in anger rather than love, um, that uh, that response then is anger from your child. <clears throat> when they see anger in you, they respond in kind. And so I think that what Paul has in mind there is to discipline in love. He actually says that in other places uh, in the letters that he writes uh, where he talks about, you know, the elders are to discipline uh, the members of their church, but to do it in gentleness and, and love. And so <clears throat> I think that's maybe maybe a little more in view of, of what Paul's talking about there. Does that answer your question, Charlie? Yes. Okay. Anybody else have any thoughts about that? Yeah. One of the things Brett said, kind of a twofold nature. One, like you're saying, where the parents aren't to discipline and anger and wrath and rage, but also you don't want to do your discipline in such a way that it creates anger, wrath, and rage in the child. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, agree, I think he was mentioning there's something involved in the parent that can have sort of a twofold approach. Yeah, that that is correct. I think you're that's well said. Um, <clears throat> actually, what we're going to talk about today, I think, may help to shed a little light on that. Um, in the preparation for this class, I've been reading a book by Paul David Tripp. And uh, he says that our understanding of grace is the key to how to parent. I think it's probably more than that. It's probably the key to how we should live as people. And uh, and so... <clears throat> When you think about grace, what do you what do you think about? There's basically three ideas about grace that we need to understand. What do you think about grace? I think it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> that is right. Okay, that's that's a good technical definition. Good place to start. 
So there's three, three kind of ideas about grace that I think are appropriate to understand. Uh, first of all, you know, we understand past grace. That's the grace that comes to us when, when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts and fills us with his love and, and forgiveness. That's past grace because he forgives um, and, and uh, it's what's happened in the past for us if, if you're a believer. There's future grace, because when he saves you from your sin, <clears throat> you look forward to eternity with him. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so um, we look forward to that eternity where we can worship the Lord together because of that future grace. But there's another kind of grace that I think we don't think about often, and that's present grace. Um, we forget about the fact that God is always present with us, and supplies us with every need for every situation. And we fail sometimes, I think, to appropriate that. Um, And as I say, I think that these are applicable to parenting, but they're applicable to each of us individually uh, in every every day of our lives. Um, God never calls us to a task without giving us what we need to do it. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. And I think maybe we read this last week as well, but Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a really terrific promise in that verse. I, do you ever have those times when you're, when you're going through your day parenting your children and you, you feel like just defeated and exhausted and hopeless in the situation because you've, you've tried to correct a certain behavior a dozen times in that day and it seems like you're not getting anywhere or maybe, maybe it's getting worse and it's, it's, the behaviors are accelerating and... and and being difficult. So what do you do? How do you, how do you approach that? Um, I think you, ha- you, you begin by, by thinking God's grace is always present with us. And I need to appropriate that grace. Um, you, you think of all the people in God's word who were not qualified for the task that God, God called them to. Um, was Abraham qualified to do what God called him to do? In himself? No. No. How about Moses? The burning bush? No, no, no. David? He was a man after God's own heart. <laughs> but again, he didn't have everything he needed as a person to do the work that God called him to do. How about the disciples? Many times they doubted and failed and tripped up and said the wrong things and did all these things. But yet, God used each of them very mightily for his purposes. He had a plan for them. And, and uh, so one of the principles that comes out of this is that we understand that God calls us to be dependent on him, not independent. Right? So you don't come into things with your own strength and saying, I got this. You don't got it. <laughs> I think that's what I always figure out is that. I thought I had it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have the strength of character, the, 
the, the will to do the things that needed to be done. But God, by his grace, always gives us what we need. Um, so God's grace opens our eyes to see ourselves uh, more accurately as a parent. Um, and that's true for our marriages, for, for parenting, for, for who we are as people. Again, as I say, um, when we struggle with irritation, impatience, anger, lack of gentleness, lack of joy in our parenting, um, I think we have to see the struggles I have as a parent, that each of us has as a parent or a person, are going to be in, our, in the lives of our children as well. Or maybe those around us who we see, who we know are struggling with the same sorts of things that we, that we are. So if, if, you, if you're in that situation where you're trying to get your children to understand something you're teaching them and you don't feel like they're getting it, what do you think would be the best thing to do in that situation? Yeah, it would start with that. Um, how about, too, looking in your own heart and thinking, am I doing some of that? If, if, do I have that same attitude? Do, that, do I have that same um, rebellious nature that my child does? And I think you probably find that you do. You know, you're always going to say that when I discipline them, I need to look at myself as well and maybe start there. Um, Lamentations 3, 21 and 22 is a good one to, to, uh, to look at. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so when, when we are trying to correct our children, but we see something in ourselves, then we can approach God. And we know that his... his um, his mercies never come to an end, and so we can receive forgiveness as well. So um, God's grace frees us from having to deny your weakness. I think it's probably inborn in each of us to say, I'm strong, I'm, I, I can do this, I'm, I'm good. But I think we have to be honest and say that we're weak. Charlie? Can I make a distinction? Sure. I think that... Yeah. Which means that he qualifies us for the work. That's right. We, we, might, we might have the qualities, but they are from him. And so in, in rightful obedience, we should perform them and perform them in confidence in him. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Um, everybody hear what he said? Can you say it again a little louder so everybody can hear you? Yeah. Just to make sure? You want me to? Yeah, please. Oh, sure. Um, I'm just making a <coughs> distinction between the attitude of um, I'm going to crush it, and or criticizing God's good gifts that he gives us. If we have gifts from the Lord, then we have qualities 
of the Spirit, and therefore we are qualified for the works that he has prepared for us to walk in. So in that sense, we ought to have confidence in him because he has made us fit for the things that he's given us to do. Yeah. yeah we don't that... want to speak too far, I think, and say, I can do nothing like Moses. I, I, I can't speak. God saying, no, I'm fitting you to do this. I gave you the best education in all of Egypt. You know how to speak eloquently. Yeah. Don't cop out. Don't let try and get out of the work. I fit you for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of trying to drive home a point here that says that don't look at your own strengths and see them as, but, but do understand that God gave you everything you need to be a good parent. Um, thank you. That's good. So we don't want to deny our weakness, but like you say, we need to, we need to understand that God gave us what we need to do the job. Um, Yeah, yeah. And, and in a sense, Paul, he, he celebrates his weakness, right? He says, I'm weak, but God is, you know, but yet I'm strong through Christ. And, and so that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah. When we, when we see our own weakness, um, and I, I want to read a little quote from, from the book that uh, Paul David Tripp wrote. As a parent, you do not... Uh, ever f- need to fear knowing yourself you do not have to fear being known by those around you and you do not have to fear being exposed as being less than perfect by those around you because there is nothing known or exposed about you as a parent that hasn't been covered by the blood of Christ and so I think that gets to that point too Jamie thank you for that that, that in our own weakness we realize that we have been forgiven in Christ and and there's nothing we need to worry about as far as that um, can we hide our identities from our children do you think <laughs> I, I think they, they tend yeah 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 I know Yeah. 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 And and I think it applies to so many other things. It, as I was studying this, I thought, wow, this is so applicable in life, um, for marriage, for for um, ourselves as we as we live our lives for the Lord every day. Um, we can't hide who we are. We are we are exposed. Um, by the Spirit working in our hearts, and, and that's a good thing. I think that that helps us to be humble and to um, to approach things the right way. You know, you can attempt to hide who you are, and that's what Scripture calls hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And they see through it. Yep. In fact, um, Psalm fifty-one talks about that, doesn't it? Where where David realizes, you know, I've I've blown it again, and. What do I do? Um, his sin was pretty drastically exposed. I mean, Nathan came to him and said, you are the man. You are the man who did this. 
And what was David's response? Well, let's let's look at Psalm 51. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So I think that um, it does take us recognizing who we are, uh, the, the sinfulness in our hearts that's always there, and, uh, and dealing with that sin regularly, daily, hourly if need be, and, and to, to um, seek forgiveness from God. But then to know that, that our sins, those sins that we've confessed, have been covered by the blood of Jesus. So there's a there's an idea that God rescues us from um, who we are, rescues you to be from you. In other words, um, it's, it's so sin is a weakness that dwells within us. It, we struggle against it um, most of the time. I mean, sometimes we just say, "I don't care. I'll just give in to that," <laughs> because honestly, I think we all do from time to time say, "I." I don't care that I shouldn't do this. I'm just going to do it anyway. Sin is willful disobedience of God. And, and so um, I think we have to recognize that the cause of my actions is what's within my own heart. And uh, so we, we have to deal with that. And, and when it comes to raising your children, if we blame our children for bad behavior, bad attitudes, actions, words, whatever... Um, we embitter them because they're they're only doing what's in their heart. And so as a humble, confessing parent, you're going to lead them to be able to be humble and confessing as well. And so this loving approach, this humble way of, of correcting your children, it needs to be done. Your children need that correction. They need that discipline that you give them. But it has to be done in a way that helps them to say, well, I don't, I don't want to offend God, and I don't want to offend you. I repent for my sin. You, you can help them do that with your own attitude. Um, Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord's compassion to those who fear him. He shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So God is not um, not unaware of the fact that we are we are prone to sin, and, and He helps us through that. God's grace uh, works to make your heart tender as well, um, and so when we understand that fatherly compassion for us, it's going to change us. It's going to change how we approach things with our children, and. Um, He's doing a sanctifying work in each of us. And sometimes our children and our marriages are what does that sanctifying work. Because as we struggle through those relationships and try to do it the right way, um, we find out that 
these things are changing us from the inside out. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is often one that comes to mind for me. And every time I read it, I think to myself, boy, I sure missed the mark on this. Because the love being a guiding principle for our lives is so important, so critical. Um, we, we tend to, to, to want things our own way. And when we do that, we tend to be unloving with those around us. And we tend to, you know, to treat other people in ways that are disrespectful, unkind, hurtful. And so um, if we let 1 Corinthians 13 be our, our guide to that, it will help our, our hearts to be tender. And you think about how beautiful this is. In every moment that you are, as you are parenting your children, the Heavenly Father is parenting you. That's really a wonderful thought. Um, God, our Father, is gentle and kind to us. I know that he, God does send us hard things sometimes for discipline. But um, God is... is kind and gentle and he, he lovingly corrects us in our sin um, but if he didn't do that he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't be kind to us he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be loving us as a, a father loves his children Hebrews 12 talks about that It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Those are words to live by, for sure, and especially as you parent your children. Um, <clears throat> So as you, as you discipline your children, and there are going to be times when your discipline needs to be um, maybe a spanking, uh, whatever it is that works effectively with your children, you, you don't be afraid of that because God is saying that you are a good father or mother when you do that, when you parent your children the right way. <clears throat> so what about those times in life where you blow it? You know, you get angry again and again and again, and you say things you shouldn't say again and again and again. Well, what do you do? God's grace um, liberates us from those those regrets that we have. Um, and so, I mean, there there are ways to approach that, but the the first thing is confess. When you've blown it again, confess to the Lord. And think about this. You know, I mean, we correct our children. And how many times do you correct for the same thing again and again? A lot, right? And, and yet, so God does that with us all the time. We blow it the same way every time. And God corrects us again and again. But if you confess your sin 
and repent from it. He's faithful. He'll forgive you for that sin. And he'll help you to move forward in the right way. Um, <clears throat> and living in regret uh, drags the past into the present. So that you, you forget the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, we have complete forgiveness for, for our sin. Past, present, and future. And so I think that's kind of where I wanted to go with this lesson is to talk about the forgiveness we've received and how it's past, present, and future. Um, And I've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but I, I want to make sure that I'm not being misunderstood about this. I know there are times when there has to be the kind of punishment that is that is very uncomfortable and, and difficult for you to administer. Spanking is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. But it has to be done the right way. It has to be done <clears throat> out of love, uh, <clears throat> thoughtfully, guiding your child to see this is a behavior that cannot be tolerated. And not because I say it can't be tolerated, but because in God's eyes, this is not a sin that can be tolerated. And so <clears throat> as, you, as you do that kind of hard discipline, what you might even think of as harsh discipline, just understand that you have to do it in the right spirit where you, where you lovingly spank, where you lovingly, and, and let your children know that it hurts you to do that. Um, so when we think about grace, what's the other side of grace? Law, right? You keep the law, and you can be forgiven. But you can't keep the law. And, and so it's kind of the same for our children. Law won't save them. Law won't help them be different people. Grace will. And it's how you lead them to understand grace that, that's really kind of the most important thing there. Um, so I've talked a lot this morning, and so I, I would like to hear your thoughts and uh, questions or comments as we've gone through this. <clears throat> I found with my kids, and I found it, I've done that a lot as they were growing up. But I went to them and asked for their forgiveness that daddy made a mistake and he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Did everybody hear what Gary said? When you blow it, go to your children, tell them, I, I blew it, and I'm sorry. Confess that and ask for their repentance, or for, for their forgiveness. That, that's a really good point. And <clears throat> that's all part of this grace working out in your life as well. When you can um, be humble and confess to your children that you blew it. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, it's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> we so God's word is our guide, and it is the law in that sense, or, or rather, 
maybe not law, but, but the guiding principle for our lives. I think of the law as being the Ten Commandments, the, the things that we know we're not supposed to do, that we're not supposed to break God's commands, but we do it all the time. Uh, and, and God forgives us in spite of that. But I think the, the guiding law or principle for, for life, and especially for guiding our children, is God's word, um, which, of course, contains the law. But uh, it, that we have to understand that we can't keep the law, and that law will, be, will condemn us. Um, I, I don't know if I answered your question well enough there. Yeah. Not that we can keep the law, but we we uh, show our gratitude to God for what He has done for us by loving Him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um, and you can point to the law and give concrete examples of how this is how you do this. This is in keeping with God's character. This is what He's given to us. You know, we don't have that. We don't put anything in front of God. We don't use His name in vain. We honor the Sabbath. We yeah. honor our parents. You know, all these things. We don't yeah. whatever we. This is how we show gratitude to God, not to mm-hmm. earn our salvation. That's a really good point. This is how we behave in our family because of what God God's done for us. Isaac. Oh. I was just going to say that the laws in our home are um, not salvation laws. You know, not by obeying, you know, by helping wash the dishes after dinner, this isn't going to save you. But this is because this is the for decency and order, for things to run well, there has to be some kind of established <coughs> rules. And then, um, but that isn't salvation. And yet, we do those things, like Matthew said, because we love the Lord. And so, then we teach our children to do the same thing through um, <coughs> certain rules, but they're not for salvation. Those things are not going to save them in any way yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but just so the home can run decently and smoothly. Yeah, and, and behind that is is when you when you tell your children that you want them to help you wash the dishes after after dinner. At some point, they're going to understand that I do this because I love my mom, or I love my dad, right? And and I think the motivation for obeying or following or doing what what you've asked them to do is is from love. Isaac first, and then uh, and then Charlie, and then Pat. That's, that's good, yeah. Charlie? I just wanted to piggyback on what Jamie was saying, is that we can, to answer your original question, we can do this because this is what the Lord has done to us. The law is not bad. Our sin is bad, right? And the law for 
pertains to life in covenant with God. And so the, the rules that we give for our household are in the house. Right? This is the law that was given to Israel, to God's people. We are the new Israel in Christ. There are laws in the new covenant. And we, we receive them. And in fact, something that pertained earlier to a uh, verse that you were reading uh, I can think of it was in Second Peter, we have these, these commands. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And in verse 5 it says, uh, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge of self-control, self-control of steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. We are not passive in our relationship with God. God always has rules for how we are in relationship with Him. And He understands our weakness, and as you said, He provides grace for us uh, for our weaknesses, but He calls us to sincere, heartfelt, heartful obedience in all things. And the image of your children yeah. Good. Well said. Yeah. Pat. Well, yes. Extending <coughs> on from that, house rules help our children to learn how to serve one another, how to be respectful for both property and people. Left to their own devices, they, they are in a very self-centered world. And so, house rules are out of love, and disobedience <coughs> to that is not okay. We bring them back with prayer and with discipline to follow the house rules, and then it goes on to community rules. Ultimately, if guidance is within the home, obedience to God. Yeah. And yeah. through that, they learn to love, they learn to share, they learn to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, there, there has to be a framework. There does. And, and I think, thank you for bringing that up, because I think uh, many parents go through life with these, these goals in mind of raising their child to be uh, successful and perfect and you know, all the things that you want for your children uh, but without a good framework there to, to, to bring them into that it, you know that goal on, it, on its own is not good what the, the best goal is to, to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord so, so that they will have that framework they will know what they need to do after that yeah. but, yeah, I was just raise children who are perfectionists, um, you know, which doesn't leave much room for you know, Right. Yeah. That you can and will earn a place in the family or your parents' affection and whatnot, then you won't have that humility that's necessary. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, say that again a little louder so everybody can hear it. Just that you're, you're likely as anything to raise perfectionists. This sort of thing's out of balance between the law and what its goal is and grace. Um, 
Which I think brings it full circle to what Charlie was talking about last week when he asked the question about Ephesians 6, 4. Um, What does it mean for fathers not to provoke your children to anger? Raising perfectionists is going to provoke them to anger eventually because they're going to say, I can't do it. Nobody can. (laughs) And I think that's kind of the key right there is to get them to understand that well, we'd like you to be perfect, but of course you can't be, and we know that. But he, he, here's what we understand about the God who created us, the God who loves us, the God who cares for us and provides for us all the things that we need to be uh, children of God. And, uh, and so perhaps the, the in, inappropriate goals for your children is what will provoke your children to anger because Paul says in the rest of that verse that uh, you bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so I think that completes the whole the whole cycle of what we're talking about there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the, you've already stated this from all the comments that underlying where he just spent all those chapters previous talking about the difference between trying to earn your salvation and receiving it by grace, you know, through Abraham essentially, through yeah. promise. He says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Mm-hmm. So he ties that all together. Yeah, we have these rules. We expect certain behaviors, obedience, but without love, then it's vanity. So doing this is a fulfillment, according to Paul, of the law. Yeah. Dave, I think what Pat was saying about a framework is like a structure. All of what we're talking about is based on authority. God tells us how he wants us to act. Mm -hmm. We tell our children this is how you need to act because God tells us that's how we're supposed to act. Mm-hmm. So there's that authority thing. Yeah. Why do you do this? <clears throat> Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. Right. And for me, I told my kids growing up, don't tell me you love me if you don't obey. Mm-hmm. Because love is a verb. You act on it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Excellent discussion, and I really appreciate that because you know I, I feel sometimes like I'm, I'm I'm focused on a little narrow path, but there's so much more to this than meets the eye. Uh, I think of everything that I hope about this class is that it starts a dialogue for all of us that we that we feel good talking about parenting when we're frustrated, when we're dealing with difficult situations, where we come to each other and say, "I I don't know what to do. Help." You know, and I, I think we can help each other. We can help each other be better at what we do. And uh, it goes for, for so many things in life as well, not, not just parenting. So, good. I, I think we're just about out of time. Uh, anybody else have any, anything before we close in prayer? Okay. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> God, I thank you for the grace that you gave us. Uh, 
past, present, and future. And uh, we just uh, pray that you'd help us to demonstrate our love for you by how we love our children, our wives, and our families. Bless our time of worship together as we go to that in, in a little bit. Bless our time. Bless our day. In Jesus' name, amen.